All right, everybody, welcome to B.O. Boys for Thursday, February 1st. Fuck it. It's a raw feed. We're doing it live. I'm Clayton. Yeah, I'm Pat. So, Clayton, today we've got a special episode. We've got a special guest. So, in a little bit, we'll be going to a conversation we had with Rob Harvilla, podcasting legend, host of 60 Songs That Explain the 90s. He's an author of that book. We're talking music biopics. We're talking Will There Be a Smashing Pumpkins biopic in the future. So, that's a big one. But, Clayton, we're going to start previewing the weekend, and it's here. Argyle has arrived. Finally. The new Matthew Vaughn movie starring Henry Cavill and Bryce Dallas Howard. is It has hit our shores. And, uh, I mean, Pat, the are question. we excited? Yeah. The question on everybody's lips at the water cooler. Okay. Who, who is Argyle? Who, who is Argyle? That, who is so now here's Agent the thing. Argyle? That in a different day. Okay, you're you're feigning falling asleep. So if you're a YouTube subscriber watching the Bo Boys instead of just listening, you see Clayton is once again falling asleep. He's out cold right now. Um, but while he's sleeping, I'll tell you that yes, who is Agent Argyle is the selling point of this movie, and it could be Matt. It could be. Henry Cavill, it could be Bryce Dallas Howard, it could be John Cena, it could be Samuel Jackson, it could be Clayton, and you might want to wake up for this. It could be a cat. It could be a CGI cat. Okay, now Clayton is awake because he heard that Agent Argyle could be a CGI cat. That excited you. Do you think that will excite audiences, the possibility that a cat is an agent? No, that was an ironic waking up. Okay, okay. So so was it an ironic sleep then? No. It was a real sleep, ironic waking up. Well, here's here's the thing, Clayton. This movie, in a different day, that question maybe would have been enough to get a big opening weekend where people would have been, I want to know who the agent is. Is the agent a CGI cat? And the only way I could find out is by going to a movie theater because information only travels in print and print doesn't move fast. Mm -hmm. But... We're recording this on a Thursday. The The opening night showings are happening right now for Argyle, meaning that the spoilers are out. I mean, the spoilers are out there already because people have seen preview screenings. So the internet, we're not going to say it here. We're not spoilers, huh? Huh? But, but the internet knows who Agent Argyle is. Do you think that affects this opening weekend? The fact that you don't necessarily have to go to the movie to answer the question. You could just Google... Is Agent Argyle the CGI cat? Like you could find that out right now if you really wanted to. Yeah, but I would assume if they still did Google search term top tens, which they used to do back in the day when Google was a novelty, mm-hmm. you know, what was the most Googled thing? What was the most searched thing on the internet? I'm sure they still do it. I doubt who is Agent Argyle will be in the top 1,000. Really? Of searched things yes absolutely okay well here's something that i'll throw out there that could be argyle related that makes a top thousand of google searches is taylor swift uh get agent out, get argyle out of here. Get out i of mean here. there's that's been a that's been a theory that i uh, listen that i think in this book there's an author who wrote in this movie there's an author who wrote a book and there's some people saying to taylor swift write the book that's in the movie I, and that's been debunked taylor, 
It's been debunked. Do you think it's been debunked enough that Taylor Swift fans believe it and aren't going to go see this movie? Dude, I didn't. I don't want to talk about that. I I, I don't. I, it's care. box office. It's a box office. Conti- no, you know, aspect no. of this movie. You it's don't think so? Happen. No, no. Okay, no. she's into cats. Of course she is. So so then, do you think there is a hook going into the opening week in this movie? If it's not Taylor Swift, if it's not people googling who is Agent Argyle, if it's not the CGI cat. What is the hook? Is it just people want to see a spy action movie? Is that no? Because people is never something? want to see a spy action movie unless it's James Bond. Well, I mean, the director Matthew Vaughn he directed the Kingsman movies. Those aren't necessarily spy. I guess they are spy well, movies. They're spy movies. They're spy action comedy. I mean, they're they're the they are the same exact genre as this movie. You know, like this movie could have been called. Kingsman colon Argyle mm-hmm. and I think it it just no one would have batted an eye you know uh, so he's basically making another Kingsman movie with the CGI cat and those movies you know the last one the King's Man in December 21 didn't do well open to 5 million but it, it was like a prequel it didn't have Colin Firth it was COVID December 2021 but those other movies open to 36 million and 39 million so there's an audience for these Kingsman movies. The thing is, this isn't a Kingsman movie. And I was it trying to, I was trying to nail why I am coming into this movie, disliking it, uh, yeah. just the concept of it. And I think it's two things. One of them, Scott Mendelson and his great Substack, sort of nailed is that this feels like a streaming movie, the sort of big mm. budget, overstarred like uh, action uh film that you would see drop on netflix that gets right. in the zeitgeist a red notice a red notice a six underground right a, something a, with anna de Armas. yeah yeah something and 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 that it's like you know everybody got a huge paycheck and they're phoning it in mm. and that i think makes my stomach turn to see a streamo movie on the big screen. Not that <clears throat> I think all movies should go to the big screen first, but this feels like right. it was that sort of just let's throw a lot of money at a at talents, quote unquote talents, and then have this movie that is just going to be in the zeitgeist for an hour. The other thing about it is that there's other than Dua Lipa, there's nobody cast in this movie that you couldn't have cast 10 years ago. That makes this feel okay. very stale to me. It feels like a stale sort of um, weird era throwback where this okay. sort of movie could could come out and do well. And I think it's mm. way past its expiration date. That's how I okay. feel about this. Okay. Well, I mean, this is something that you kind of poo-poo, but uh, I, I throw out there once in a while. Is there just something to, it's been a few weeks since we've had something big. And people are, there's a certain amount of people who are always looking for an excuse to go to the movies, but they need something big. They don't just want to see the zone of interest. You know, they want it with something that feels like a big release is could Argyle benefit from just people want to go to the movies. And after two, three weeks of nothing, you know, in a month where night swim and mean girls and beekeeper, are the biggest releases Argyle at least feels like a, 
feels like something the studio cares about. I mean, sure, but the level of increase because of that is so much more minimal than it used to be. Because like I've always said when you say this is that going to the theater is not the number one destination for people anymore. It is they go to see something specific. They go to see Mean Girls if they want to see Mean Girls. They go to see, you know, beekeeper if they want to see beekeeper they don't just wander to the mall and say oh whatever's playing i'll see and argyle is a big movie so i'll see it that right the number of people who actually do that now is way way smaller so yeah right. of course it's going to give a little bit of an increase but it's not going to be substantial right do, do you do you think that argyle is the type of movie that gets hurt by people buying their toilet paper over amazon and not buying their toilet paper at the mall like they used to you know, people used to go to the mall because they needed things on a day, fill up with toilet paper and cheap clothes, and then, oh, Argyle's playing 10 feet away. Let me go see it because it's a new movie. Yeah, sure. I mean, it's like we did our shopping. Let's throw the bags in the car. Right. You know, throw them in the trunk so people can't see what we bought. Right. Go have dinner at a at a, at a a uh, TGI Fridays inside the mall, and then let's see what's playing. Right, right, right. I mean, that's or, a night. or just that's not a even night. leave them all. Just drag your bags of toilet paper and cheap clothes like in onto the seat next to you and watch Argyle. Yeah, you could do that. But if you have a car, you just put them in the trunk. Okay. Well, listen, I'm a New Yorker. You know, we take we take uh, public transport, so we're we're carrying our bags with us. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. I mean, I I do think that audience has obviously dropped off, but there's some amount that people are going to be like. I just I'm itching for a movie. Argyle's at least had a lot of commercials. You know, it's something that that there's something to be said for. They've aired a lot of commercials for this thing. And uh the the trailer's been playing for six months. And so there's awareness. I do think this is at least a movie that oh. has awareness in a way that Miller's Girl didn't have awareness last weekend. And one benefit is that it is an off weekend for the NFL. The Super Bowl mm-hmm. is not this weekend. Mm-hmm. So uh, the NFL really, and we have to, we have to say because we 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 went on Mike last episode before the actual Mondays came out, where the mm-hmm. Beekeeper actually was second, and Mean Girls it was, was second. second. Yeah. Now Brett from the New Flesh was saying via a text thread that I should get lashings for this, that I should get yes. forty lashings. Yes, for on being air wrong lashings about the Beekeeper. Yeah. Well, because you predicted it to be number one, yeah, and then you thought it was number one, but in fact, in the actuals, it was number two. So now I'm just going to throw it out there: if that is the case, that is setting a precedent. Where yes, it is. Where you get lashings when you're wrong. Yes, not just me. Uh, Everybody does. So you would get lashings. Brett would get lashings because he is part of the family. I I think that's one of those things that it's a benefit, and also it can it's a double edged sword, as they say. Being right. as close to us as he is, I mean, he will get lashings if he's wrong about something. So, I mean, right. Brett, I will take my lashings if you will take yours. That's all I'm saying. Okay. So, I think this is a good thing then to carry through to the next episode because Brett will listen to this, we'll communicate. And if he's like, go ahead and lash him and I'll take mine. If I'm wrong, then maybe that's the new policy. Yeah. You know, and that goes for future guests. So, you know, Kirk Minahan comes on here, he makes his predictions if he's wrong. He gets lashings, which I think would be great for his show. I think 
that's the type of thing he's probably looking to build into the Kirk Minahan show anyway. Well, so. he could farm out his lashings to his producers, I think. Yes. I think that's yes. that's fine. Yes. Well, he's got a six producer lineup. So mm-hmm. I think producer number five or six could be the lashings getter. Yeah. yeah so yeah. that that works for him. But for us, it's got to be us and the guests. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we'll, we will see. So, But again, Clayton, just to sum that up, NFL not in progress this weekend. So that is a benefit for Argyle. Yes. Yeah. I mean, we'll see how much of a benefit it is. So I think what we're going to do now is we are going to toss to the interview that we had with the great Rob Harvilla, 60 songs that explain the nineties. We're, we're, we're talking the music movie business. It's a fascinating interview. Uh, this has been a, a guest we've been after for a long time and it finally happened. Yep. And after that, we're going to come back. Clayton and I will be back here given our top five predictions for the weekend of Friday, February 2nd. So now go listen to Rob Harvilla with us, and then we'll be back to give our weekend predictions. Clayton, we got a treat today. We are here with, I mean, this man is an author. He's a rock critic. He's a father. He's a husband. But most importantly, he is a podcaster. He's the host of 60 Songs That Explain the 90s, which is now up to... A hundred and how many songs is it? I believe I believe yesterday it was 116. 116 songs right. plus that explain the nights. Rob Harvilla is here with us. Rob, thanks for joining us. This is this you you are our great white whale. We have been trying to <laughs> land you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry Rob. about that. A very arduous email thread that is entirely my fault. And I, I appreciate your patience. No, no, much. that is I think that's how great relationships form is through long yes. email threads. So this email is, threads. And yeah. you got it. You you got in ascending order the importance of my titles with podcast at the top. Yes. And then like father in there somewhere and yeah, author somewhere near the bottom. Like you just you, you just you nailed it. I feel <laughs> like we know each other so well after that giant email thread. So this <laughs> this is it worked out great. Do, do your your kids understand the place in that order too, right? They know that podcaster <laughs> comes first, right? They Rob? Cer- yeah, they certainly do. We we have that conversation often. I don't really talk to them at all because I'm too busy podcasting. You know, I I show not tell. You know that level of importance, yes. But just all the music we listen to in the car is podcast related. And they're like, are you do what, what are you doing this week? And it's like, oh, you know, it's just they know that this is the most important thing. In my right. life, they they completely understand that, of course. That's great. And Clayton and I have no kids, but if that ever happens, uh, they will also know. They will. That's know right. That yes, it's, the bo boys come first. And it's good. To, it's good. It's good to know that in advance. There's there's no question, you know, of, of the hierarchy. It's important to set those boundaries. So, so, so Rob, you're of course a music guy, and we wanted to talk music movies with yes. you this week. So. We're going to look back and we're going to look ahead. So let's start with concert films, because one of the biggest movies last year, Clayton doesn't think this is a film, but of course it was a film. It's an event. Taylor, it, he says it's an event. I say it is a film. Taylor Swift, The Errors Tour, the movie, huge hit, kind of saved movie theaters in a dry fall when nothing else was coming out other than Five Nights at Freddy's. Mm-hmm. And... First of all, did you see this film in the theaters? Were you were you take did you go there for pleasure, for research, for children? And did you see Taylor <laughs> Swift in the movie theater? I confess that I did not. I'm we're in sort of a, a heightened COVID 
sensitivity type situation. And so movie theaters are pretty rare for us. I took the boys to see the boy and the heron sort of randomly, you know, but I, other than that, I have not been to the movies it very much at all, you know, in the past several years, you know? And so that did bum me out mm-hmm. because I did, I was trying to think if I've ever seen a concert movie in the theater. And I don't know that I have all my memories of that, you know, last waltz, stop making sense, whatever, you know, it's all, it's all DVD. It's all streaming, mm-hmm. right. It's all mm-hmm. at home. Like I, I wanted the experience of like the sound system and like the popcorn and like, I, so event and film are two different things. Just to understand your nomenclature, like an yeah. event is not a film per I, I, se. Well, we this don't want to get very deep in, distinction. This is, yeah, we 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 don't want to okay. get deep in the weeds. But one of the things that okay, my, I did. A, a problem that I had was that I'm an AMC A lister, which means that I get you know I pay a certain amount every month and I get a certain amount of films at AMC. And you get the discount, right? Isn't it like 20% off popcorn or something? Yeah, you get all these great. I mean, A-list, I can't speak more highly of it. But um, (laughs) the Taylor Swift film was outside of my subscription. So I would have to pay extra on top of what I – and I don't have to do that for any movie other than Fathom events. Right, like like Studio Ghibli or something. Right, okay. So they were saying this was a film, this was a movie – and they were saying, this isn't a Fathom event. It's not a Fathom event. And then I go to get tickets and I have to pay extra. It's an event. It's not a film. So that's that's my argument that I stand no, by. No, you're, you're taking it personally. And I respect that enormously. Yeah. Is that because she, the thing, she negotiated directly with like theaters, right? Like She, she released it through AMC directly. So all okay. that, basically all the money is going to her. To her. Yes. Yeah. Well, good for her. No, I okay. Exactly. I get that entirely. It's not a movie. You've convinced me that it's not a movie. That's, thank you, so that's, Thank you for that. I, I'm. I. It really bums me out that I couldn't see either Taylor or Beyonce in the theater. You know, because I, of course, I couldn't get to either tour. You know, Beyonce was supposed to come to Pittsburgh and then didn't. Taylor came to Cincinnati and I should have gone, but didn't. You know, I didn't get to see either of those tours. I was pretty excited about it. Like the culture. You know, the, the TikToks, whatever, of like people dancing in the aisle at, t- at Taylor, you know, or like, like mm-hmm. they were in like a circle. There was like a Midsommar type ritualistic vibe yeah. to the Taylor screenings that seemed very appealing. And so it, it bums me out that I didn't see either of them in the theater. But I it's certainly heartening, you know, as a as a lover of music and film, you know, that the rise of the concert film, you know, this little spike that we're having, whether or not it's sustainable is very exciting to me. Yeah. Uh, and I will say I went to the Taylor Swift movie film with, okay. uh, okay. with my nieces and I, you know, recounted this on the show, but in some ways you missed out in some ways you are lucky though, because I went and, and I was, <laughs> I was almost trapped in one of those midsummer circles yeah. of seven to 12 year old girls. And yeah, you know, there, there's a lot that could be scary about being a, a man our age, being trapped in a Taylor Swift midsummer. No, uh, that's, you're absolutely right. Did so, you get the popcorn? Did you get like the, the branded popcorn I, experience? I, I, I did screw that up. I got a large popcorn, but not a Taylor popcorn. Oh, you did so, screw that up. Um, yeah. Are your nieces, have your nieces forgiven you? No, this will be a no. thing in therapy. Yeah, sure. Yeah, right. Exactly. They'll be yeah. processing that for years. So no, I, I get you. I get you. It's it, it, it looked fun for 10 seconds, two and a half hours. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, <laughs> so Rob, I mean, you talked about it with Taylor Swift movie, you know, music being in the center of the culture. Have you, you know, you usually look at these acts from a historical perspective, you know, all the way back in the nineties, you get to, to have a little context, but the Taylor Swift thing, is this the biggest music uh, act that you've seen in your years covering music? Like, put this in context. When you're doing, you know, 800 songs that explain the 2020s, yeah, uh, could you predict where you're going to put the Taylor Swift whole thing in there? Is she the biggest thing since Michael Jackson? That that's that's really the Is question. She the biggest thing since Michael Jackson. I that's a lot, but the fact that that's even plausible to consider, she's certainly the biggest thing now. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think there's any question of that. You know, where this whole Super Bowl thing, you know, is growing very tiresome very fast. But just the ubiquity of even the last year, even in the context of Taylor Swift being so dominant for however long it's been 10, 15 years last year, you know, between, you know, the, the NFL of it all, you know, the Eras tour, I, I don't, I've never seen a tour be such a phenomenon for people who aren't going to the tour, right? You know, just mm-hmm. the social media element. And just all the articles that I read about it and its significance and like, you know, hanging out with fans in the parking lot and like what the merch situation was like. I just I've never seen a concert tour by anybody covered with the fervor that that was. And so I don't think there's any question that Taylor Swift is, you know, the biggest, however you define that, you know, in terms of pure sales in terms of pure streams, you know, billboard charts, etc. Like, you know, once you add in all these taylor's versions you know she's got like 50 albums on the charts it feels Mm -hmm. like any i I don't think there's any question she's the biggest like even somebody like drake you know there there is there's competition but i i think she's still the clear winner and i think the heiress tour sealed it and you know that's i it's unprecedented this movie you know both for the arrangement that she made you know it's the second biggest documentary or concert film of all time right it didn't quite beat michael jackson it's yeah, I, I don't think it did beat it domestically. I think it came okay. up a little short of uh, of the Michael Jackson movie. Right. And that was, you know, a de facto like eulogy. Right. You know, right. Like, that's that that's a very, very different situation. Like dealing it's with the advantage he had over her is, is that she's not dead. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It is a huge advantage in these instances. No, I, I don't. Since Michael Jackson, I'm going to chew on for a while because I'm trying. Man, I do think. I do think it might be true since Michael Jackson now, you know, even the biggest names that I can think of from, you know, the nineties, the early two thousands, you know, there's plenty of huge people, but I, nothing on this scale, you know, nothing at this level of saturation. Would you say, and this is the band, of course, I'd put up there. Would you say she is bigger than the strokes at this point? <laughs> Has she gotten there, Ooh. Rob? You're the you're Ooh. the you're the, the final answer on this one. So wow. I have to make the call. Has gotten bigger than the strokes were. Regrettably, as much as I love the strokes, you know, I have to say that you know Taylor Swift making you know three or four good albums I think puts her you know pushes her ahead of the strokes in terms right. of media attention there was a moment there you know around 2001 2002 where like maybe they were 
doing a little better. You know, right, they had right. a better year, but nah, it's I'm gonna have to give it to Taylor. Yeah. Okay. I'll give it their <laughs> their fall of 2003 was probably bigger than Taylor Swift's fall of 2003. That's right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Whenever she was when she was ten or whatever, I can't yeah. do the math that fast, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, do you think you know you mentioned Drake? I don't know if Drake tomorrow comes out with a concert film could have challenged Taylor Swift. Are there any acts right now? That you think, you know, Beyonce tried it in December and the movie did well, but it obviously didn't come anywhere near Taylor numbers. Is there anyone out there now who they get a concert film in theaters next year? Maybe it doesn't do Taylor numbers, but it could still be, you know, make a hundred million, galvanize the current audience. Is it, who who is that? Yeah, that's a tough one, you know, because I think I think the drop off after Taylor and Beyonce is significant, right? Like you think of somebody like Olivia Rodrigo, right? Like she's Mm going to have a huge, you know, arena tour. It's coming to town, you know, and I can see that, but like I, something about the conceit of the era's tour and the sort of pent up demands of COVID you know, and like the fact that she put out like four or five albums, you know, all of which were pretty huge, like it, before, since she'd last toured. Right. Because she had a concert film on Netflix. Right. She had the one yep. that was the Reputation Stadium tour, you know, but this tour now de facto is covering like both, you know, uh, Folklore, Evermore, you know, Midnight's and Lover, you know, like mm-hmm. I, I for, for one thing, just the, the sheer amount of material that she had that was new, you know, the pent up demand of her not having toured, you know, for three, four, five years, just, it, just being able to stretch all the way back to the beginning of her career. I just don't think there's anybody like that. You know, like, and I, I, I would love for this to become the new de facto sort of music movie, right? Because we've mm. had this huge run of documentaries. You know, every pop star gets a documentary. You think of like the Katy Perry one, right? You're like mm-hmm. Justin Bieber, Gaga did one, Billie Eilish did one, you know, but those are, you know, there's like a fake intimacy to those, right? Because they're controlled by the artists, you know, like their promo movies, you know, promo videos at the bottom mm-hmm. of everything, you know, the, the golden age of the music documentary when there's a little danger to it, when it's a little unwise and like the artist doesn't maybe have total control, like, like truth or dare or something like yes. that. Like that's not the way it works now. Right. You know? And so the concert movie, you know, while also tightly controlled is sort of preferable to this, but I, in terms of getting a hundred million dollars worth of people in theaters, you know, I, I I don't know if I would put that on like an Olivia Rodrigo or a pink, you know, I Drake, I haven't seen Drake live in years and years now. And like Drake is intriguing in that sense. I, you know, before, you know, Travis Scott, you know, I think the Astroworld situation, you know, and how harmed he was by it. I, I don't know if that would happen now, but like Travis Scott is sort of touted as like a generational live act. But I don't know mm-hmm. if that translates to a movie. I don't know if that's the kind of thing you have to be there. It's a bummer, right? Because I would love to see this happen more often. But I, I do. It would wonder, be great for you. That's for sure. Yeah, I, I do wonder if if Taylor and Beyonce, you know, the, the Renaissance tour, like just the love that people have for Beyonce and for that album in particular, and just 
the meticulousness that she brings to something like this, like the homecoming, the Coachella documentary, like that's the gold standard, you know, mm-hmm. in, in concert movies, you know, in my lifetime, right? Like that's, I put that up there with Talking Heads, with The Last Waltz, you know, I there's nobody I'd rather see do this, but I don't know if there's anybody else current who, who brings the artistry to it that Beyonce would or brings like the sheer scale that Taylor would, you know, do you, can you think of anybody? Like, is there anybody possible? Well, Clayton, I think you've had one that we've talked about. Uh, Yeah. Well, I thought, and I, and I don't think by far that this would be as big or, you know, because they are a, a band that has been around for decades and decades, but my call was that there was going to be some sort of U2 dome uh, concert film, but that feels more like it would have been a fathom event because that's a very niche sort of (laughs) thing because they're not in the zeitgeist at all. They are definitely nostalgia at this point, as much as they would love to push against that. And they did for a long time. Obviously they were able to reinvent themselves for longer than a lot of other bands, but they are definitely nostalgia at this point. And so, yeah. but the dome aspect, the not being able to get the tickets, because that was my big thing about the Beyonce, uh, I'm sorry, the Taylor Swift movie is that people couldn't get tickets to it. Now, right. I think the Beyonce concert, I mean, people could, it was probably harder than other concerts, but not impossible like Taylor Swift. No, and there's so a I, difference. Yeah. Right. So there was a big difference there. And so I think the thing with not being able to get into that dome you know, you have that movie come out now. That's not going to compete with these movies in any way. But I thought they would, you know, the light bulb would go on and they'd say, we can mm. make a little bit of scratch from this. That's interesting. My parents went to Vegas to see you two. They went to the mm-hmm. sphere, right? And yeah, I, yeah. you know, I said dome, I, it's a sphere. Yeah. 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 I, and I, I, I don't get the sense that you can replicate that experience with a movie. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and I the other thing is, like, I everyone who went to it was like, oh, they sounded great. But every video that I saw of that, like the screen was dwarfing the band. Mm-hmm. Right. The visuals were dwarfing the music. And I was like listening to Bono and Bono was like a little shaky. Like they're they're getting up there. Right. You know, I it, that felt to me just through the social media of it all. I didn't go. But like just it was a mismatch between just the scale of the place they were in and the visuals and like the band, like for you two to seem small, you know, in a venue of any any kind of venue. Yeah. was just such a weird thing to me. But I'm, I'm trying I'm intrigued by that. But I'm trying to imagine, you know, whether the movie screen becomes whatever the backdrop of the sphere is or if the movie is somehow you know, taken from the perspective of, you know, somebody sitting in the sphere and looking up at them. Like I, that's a really, I would, I would be intrigued by that, you know? And I do think that you two is capable of sort of marshalling that kind of zeitgeist, but I, I don't know if you can really convey the sphere experience in a movie like that, but I, you know, I'd love to see him try. It, it, it sounds like a horror film in some ways. <laughs> the way you describe Bono, he sounds terrified of. And horror films are big, so if you combine horror film plus concert film, maybe there's. See, here we go. Well, it's, if you shot it like that, like thriller or something. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. If you shot it like that Beastie Boys documentary, where all the fans uh, shot the documentary, I and then you shot from different yeah. seats and stuff. I mean that. But but the I like major, that. I like that. The major negative on this one is no Larry. So that as is of a now, huge no Larry, negative. 
that's a huge negative. That's a weird, that's a bummer. That really bummed me out. I agree. Yeah. So let's move into uh, music biopics. Cause I mean, mm. those are always there. They never go away. And, and we got one coming out in a few weeks. We got a Bob Marley music biopic. One yeah. love. Have you seen this trailer yet? Have you, have you I seen have. it? I have. Yeah. I, I, so it what do you like think of the trailer? Games. The trailer does not look good. Can I just say okay. that? I you don't can know. say it. Yeah, we're we're <laughs> honest here. No, this is this is a raw feed. This is. I don't know, man. I don't know. It doesn't look. It looks okay, but like, yeah, I. It, it seems I'm not getting a good vibe off it, you know. In what little sort of chatter I see about it, people are like, I don't know, you know, like a Bob Marley biopic in February, you know, I it's. I I'm I would love for it to be good, you know, like the Bob Marley documentary was obviously so wonderful, you know. I've watched a bunch of those, right? Like there's plenty there. Like the the is it Marlon James the book like I there's he did like a Bob Marley sort of assassination novel, you know, like mm. there's there's plenty of material, you know, and drama in addition to the music of course, but I it it just looks very it just looks like a Netflix movie, right? That just happens to not be on Netflix. Yep. You know, and so I, I don't know if I'm going to be there opening night, guys. I got to say, okay. you know, I, I may, I may take a step back and just, and just see what happens. So you're gonna, you're <laughs> gonna feel it out, get the response. That's the, right. Uh, it, it has the some of the the earmarks of of like bad music biopic <laughs> in that there's scenes where he overhears lyrics or is talking and then he's like yeah i shot the sheriff what do you guys think about that you know he's watching yeah. like kids play you know uh play with toy guns and then he's like oh that kid said he shot the sheriff maybe there's something there right no i i get it but like i it wasn't that bohemian rhapsody for example was horrible but i can't really I don't know what made that an Oscar, you know, competing Oscar winning movie at all, you know, like it was well made, you know, and, and just to be able to end with Live Aid, like I, I, I get why, the, again, with as with Bob Marley, there was plenty of material there, but like there's, there's an inherent cheesiness. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what you're describing. It's like now we're going to write, you know, we will rock you you know, mm-hmm. in 15 seconds or whatever. And it's like, no, you didn't, you know, like, like it's yeah. just, I, I, I get exactly what you're saying. And that's sort of my concern, you know, too, that it's just, it's just going to be super cheesy. Well, oh, in, well. <laughs> in terms of, you know, the box office prospects, because I mean, you look at these music biopics and there are some giant hits, you know, Bohemian Rhapsody was made like 800 million. Elvis was a huge hit. Rocket man did well. Elvis. Ray did well. Straight out yeah. of Compton, huge. Ah, that was right, right. That's right. And then yeah. you've got last year, or maybe it was the year before, but uh, I want to dance with somebody, mm-hmm, colon, mm-hmm. Whitney Houston. Um, that did colon, not do well. Yeah, I, I think yeah. it was a late added colon, too. I think it was I want to dance with somebody was the name of the movie for like a year, and then a week before it came out, they added Whitney Houston, colon, I want to dance yeah. with somebody, and that tanked, but. You know, you're you, you're the music historian here, Bob Marley. Which camp do you think he falls into? You know, do you think this is something that even if the movie is is bad, 
it doesn't matter based on because the musician is who sells it. You know, people went right. to see the Queen movie, not to see Rami Malik. So, yeah. so is Bob Marley is decades of his poster being in every dorm room in every city <laughs> in America for that is, 40 years. He's got that, yeah. You know, did, what do you think? Is is <sighs> this the guy that people are going to go no matter what? Or is it a Whitney Houston Colon situation? I'm tempted to say it's a Colon situation, unfortunately. Okay. You know, as, as you say, like Bob Marley... You know, ubiquitous, beloved, you know, everyone had the legend, everyone had the poster, right? Like, mm-hmm. I totally get that. But, like, I getting people into the theater in February is a way different prospect, mm. right? You know, and it, it it does seem like this is this is not like a prestige, you know, Oscar contending movie. I don't get that impression. You know, you don't have sort of that element, you know. And so I just... The thing, as you said with Taylor, like it, on top of everything else, all the people who couldn't go to that concert, like that's what brings people to the theater. Like the Beyonce of it all brings people to the theater. I just, I don't know. The biopic to me more and more is like a niche the same way, you know, people are always lamenting like, you know, R-rated comedies, you know, don't get into the theater anymore. You know, there's just, it's just another genre of movie that, you know, mostly now will be relegated, you know, to just Netflix or Hulu or whatever, right? Like, it's just people don't go to the theater necessarily for this experience. I don't think we're going to have people singing like Three Little Birds in the Aisle or whatever. I I, I don't, I don't know if this is going to be a huge success. Okay. And I don't, you know, as as beloved as Bob Marley is like universally sort of globally. So, and maybe that's, you know, maybe this is one of those situations, you know, where like the United States, you know, impact is one thing, but globally, you know, it's, he does way better than people perceive here in America. That's possible, but I, I don't see this being any kind of event. Well, I think that's the question too. Like, how has Bob Marley's music stood this test of time for younger people? Because I know, mm. you know, you you mentioned Legend. Obviously, me and you were Gen X. We had Legend. All of our buddies in our college dorm did. Pat's a millennial, also so Gen I don't know. I don't also know if it was Gen X. Uh, also had like Legend. Chemical Romance, something like that. I don't know. What was no, also dorm Bob Marley. Also Gen X. <laughs> but. <laughs> I was sad when Kurt Cobain died the day he died at Gen X. Yeah, Sure, you were in diapers, but that's fine. But here's the thing. (laughs) Not because of my age, though. Yeah, yeah. So uh, if sneakily Bob Marley is popular with young people, they'll go because they drive the marketplace, right? Mm -hmm. But Because you saying you're not going to go, I'm not going to go, that is a little bit damning because we were that generation that – you couldn't go two feet past the dorm room without hearing that at some times. Right. No. So yeah. I think that's the thing is that, is this popular with young people? And I haven't seen that. So I, I'm not necessarily around young people all that much, but <laughs> I, I legally can't be. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah, but, yeah. But like, there's not a lot of Bob Marley TikToks that I know of. Right? I was just thinking about that, that what they need, what they need is a viral sensation and i i don't have the sense that they have that i know what you're saying yeah yeah so rob of course right now you're covering the 90s podcast book everywhere 60 songs that explain the 90s um what 90s acts that you've covered do you think 
do you want to see get the music biopic treatment? And also, did you know there was a Salt and Peppa Lifetime movie? Oh yeah, it was huge. Twenty-one wasn't yeah. it huge? I, yeah. yeah. So so um, that exists. So you can't say them, but like. The Smashing Pumpkins. Do they? Do Whoa. we need to see someone play Billy Corgan <laughs> oh, on the biggest screen possible? Oh, shit. <laughs> I that, mean, that does have potential. That is a potential Oscar-winning role, you know. Right. Which, is, which ones are the, the Oscar bait ones, and which ones are the blockbusters? The, so Billy the, playing the Billy Corgan, that's the best actor. Okay. Yes. 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 I I regretted it as soon as it popped into my head, but Aaliyah. I mm-hmm. I don't know how, uh, I don't know. Right. I, th- there's there, uh, it's so terrible. Yeah, there's it's so terrible. Is yeah. right. There's such there's such beautiful aspects of it, and there's such terrible aspects to it. And so, I don't want to forget it. I don't want to say that. No. Um. What about here's what I'll throw out there as this is a few artists. Is there a movie about the making of the first love fair? That's very interesting. I can totally see that. The, it was the Vanity Fair. Jessica Hopper did it. The oral history. Like, there's a lot of great material there. I can totally see that. Right. I can totally and all the behind, behind the scenes machinations, booking the venues, yeah. you know. Yeah. Yes, totally. I can see that. You know, like the Britney Spears thing mm. is inevitable on a long enough timeline. You know, that certainly. that feels more like a prestige fake yes. prestige, you know, eight part series that we all get sick of in episode four. Yeah, there we go. Yes, that that could very well happen. You know, like somebody, I, you know, Nirvana, we've sort of flirted with it mm-hmm. at times. You know, there was that movie where it was it Michael Shannon, like is playing like clearly a Kurt Cobain analog, but it's not really here. It's like last days. I think Oh, Michael like, Pitt. I, it was Michael. Pitt. Sorry, but thank you. Michael. Yeah, yeah, Shannon. Yeah. Okay. Michael. Pitt. Yeah. Uh, somebody will take a shot at Nirvana, you know, one yeah. of these days for sure. Um, those are the two that first jump out at me. Like Alanis Morissette would be mm. interesting. Yeah, you know. Well, what about I, someone you've had on your show? What about Courtney Love playing herself in a biopic about Courtney Love? I would love to watch that. You know, she's she's a she's a movie star as well. You know, I yes, I the Courtney of it all. Yes, either as a focal point or either as the dominating force in a Nirvana movie, I can absolutely see that. That would be mm-hmm. wonderful. And Courtney should, you know, I, yes, Courtney should totally play herself you know no offense to like renee rap or whoever would conceivably take a shot yeah. at that but <laughs> yeah oh that there can you be know, only one yes that would be who it is it would be mean girls renee rap playing courtney love there we go yeah there you go <clears throat> um so clayton anything else you you want to ask about biopics no i mean i i think the one question would be in your opinion rob what makes a good biopic what separates the i want to dance with somebody's from the uh, walk the lines Ooh, walk the lines i think what helps is the like the what i do think rescues bohemian rhapsody for me again is the live aid of it all right like you know like i just when we get away from 
I, I really like what you're saying about like, oh, let's let's write, you know, a famous song everybody knows in the studio in 30 seconds, you know, in sort of a cornball insulting fashion. Like when you can get away from that and you can replicate, you know, whether it's it's a show, a famous show or a concert, you know, I think about Aretha Franklin, right? The gospel, you know, the the the, the documentary that she made, you know, in, in the church that you can replicate in a biopic, like just to have a signature scene and like a signature look like I, the Elton movie rocket man kind of flirted with that a little bit, you know, like I, like the I'm still standing video or something. Like I, I, I do think that you need like a climactic iconic mm-hmm. type performance. Like, you know, whenever, you know, you too will happen at some point. Right. And you do you two at Live Aid as well. You know, you do you yeah. two at the Super Bowl, right? The mm-hmm. post 9 11 Super Bowl with the flag in the mm-hmm. coat, you know, like Springsteen, like that Springsteen's going to happen. Yes. Right. You know, and I, just the iconography there, I do think is what you need ultimately. You know, it's, it's, as much as you can pull it out of the studio and sort of the, the behind the music sort of rise and fall sort of arc that is inherent to all of these things. When you can just, somebody you can, you can put on stage, you know, for all the problems, you know, for all the headaches of the Elvis movie, right? Like just the overwhelmingness of it, you know, I, I just, when it, when it was just him on stage, you know, replicating Vegas or whatever, like mm-hmm. that's when that movie, you know, transcends. And so I just, as much as you can put it on stage, not backstage, you know, I, I guess is, is my personal preference. And that's why the Nirvana one seems so teed up because you end that with unplugged. Oh God, you're right. That's... Right. How do you not end that with the performance of unplugged? And then that he walks off and it's like, that's, that's the ending of that movie. And if it's not, oh, then that's a terrible movie. Cause that's how you end it. No, that you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And that's, man, that's, that's a very, wow, that's cool and very heavy and that needs to happen. You're absolutely right. And so I, yeah, I think if you're talking nineties bands or whatever, like no offense to like the Pearl jams of the world. Right. But like, I don't, I don't think there's enough there, you know, but like I Nirvana, absolutely. Wow. That's really Renee rap is Courtney love and it ends with unplugged. We got it. We did it. Yeah. And Logan Paul is uh, Kurt Cobain. Whoa! <laughs> you got to get the butts in the seats. You just, you just tried to sneak that in there, didn't you? Yeah. I did. I was trying to get it while you were drinking. <laughs> all You're right. Trying to make me spit iced coffee all over <laughs> my minivan, dude. And you, you came really close, actually. And then, wow. and, and then when your family comes in and there's iced coffee <laughs> everywhere, you say, "Well, I was podcasting, and that's number one." I was one. podcasting. This is my. This is the most important thing I do, you know. And I just, I did it all. So Rob, I mean, it was, you know, (laughs) they always, they always fault Ahab for spending his life chasing the whale. And you know what? He had it right on because (laughs) we chased our white whale. We got him and it was worth every losing our legs. It was worth it. I was going to say, I'm, I, I, I'm a little uncomfortable being the whale in this analogy, but it is, that is very kind of you (laughs) at the same time. It's purely based on, uh, uh, you know, uh, the chaser being insane. That's that's (laughs) okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just a whale. I'm just minding my own business. All right. Yeah. Okay. Um, I get it. Rob, 60 songs that explain the nineties, the, the final 
run of episodes. It's like the last season of Friends when, you know, you'd have commercials and everyone would, it would be sad music. It wouldn't be happy music. It'd be like cry because Friends is ending. Mm -hmm. That's how we feel when we know we're in that last run of 60 songs episodes. I, I, I don't know what I'm going to going to cook to when this is over so hopefully <laughs> hopefully we're moving to the 2000s and and i get my five episode stroke series out of it so oh uh, okay you really want you know, to just, it's, it's just an honor throwing... to soundtrack your cooking that's that's that means a lot to me truly you're soundtracking the cooking of, of, yeah. of, a, of a, a generation right now so thank you rob yes. everyone pick up the book <laughs> and uh as soon as we end this recording i'm going to ask you one thing rob that won't be on the record because I have a, a guess as to who will be the final episode. Yeah. So we're gonna we have oh. this game. Me and, me and Pat have this game of who, who you're going to cover. What's what's left? Yeah. All right. Okay. So so this I have is an not out of left field guess that the frogs are going to get in there, but I, I wow, going to happen. That's very far out of left field, but anything is possible. All okay. right. So All we're right. going to end this this we'll interview now, and then we're going to take that off air. All right, and we're back, Clayton. Thanks again to Rob Harvilla, 60 songs that explain the 90s. And we listen, we, we're not going to say it on air, but after we stopped recording, we both guessed who we thought would be the final episode of his show, which is coming to an end. And my guess is a possibility. That's what I was told. So we'll we'll end it there. But if if his show ends on my prediction, huge win. For Pat of the Bo Boys. Oh, Huge absolutely, win. absolutely. Um, and I do want to make one uh, 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 clarification. We were talking about the box office grosses in that interview of Taylor Swift the Eras Tour versus Michael Jackson's This Is It. And as of right now, they are basically tied worldwide in box office. Uh, they both at around two hundred sixty-one million dollars worldwide, and basically have flipped where they made their money. Taylor Swift made all her money, you know, made 180 something million dollars domestic, whereas Michael Jackson's movie made 189 million international. Mm -hmm. And in the end, basically both the same worldwide number showing that worldwide it's still Michael Jackson is the king of the pop. Yeah. Um so let's get into a clay now our top 5 predictions for the weekend of Friday, February 2nd. So would you like to go first or second? Do you want to be a beekeeper or a mean girls right now? I, oh, how dare you? I, in the actuals, in the actuals, how dare you? Um, I will be, I don't want to be mean girls. I'll be beekeeper. I got to be beekeeper. Okay. So you're going to go second then. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, Number one, Argyle, and I think people are just looking to go to a movie. This could fall off a cliff after next weekend, but I'm going 28 million on this 28 one. 28 million. I'm is going high end. Crazy. I'm going high end. I think CGI Cat has a lot more draw than you're giving it credit for. Those Dude. Kingsman movies made 35, 36. I'm going 28. Oh my god. Here's a movie crazy. though, Clayton. We didn't talk about this. Um, the Chosen. The Chosen, nah, that's, you don't think it matters. No, it doesn't matter. It's lost so much momentum at this point. All right. Well, then I'm going to go number two. I think this will be the week because I think Argyle takes a little bit, even though it's an action movie, I think Argyle takes a little bit more out of Mean Girls than it does 
the beekeeper. So I think number two is the beekeeper. Number three is Mean Girls. Uh, number four, I think, is going to be Wonka. And number five, Anyone But You. That's where I'm going, my top five. Wow. Okay. Argyle. Yeah. Number one. Yeah. $15 million. Wow. I love it. I love I love it. I, You're I going hope, bomb. You're going bomb. I hope the lashings are enacted. For your twenty-eight million, do you know how much higher than the tracking that is? That's five million dollars more than it's tracking at. You I think this I, thing's going to go over cat. its tracking. That is, I believe in the CGI cat. That's yeah. ridiculous. Number two is going to be Mean Girls. Okay. Number three, I'm going Beekeeper. Okay. Number four, I'm going Wonka. Number five, I'm going migration because the oh, rats wow. need their cheese. Anyone but you is going to have the big rebound when they add the three minutes of yeah. we're assuming four minutes, four minutes. hardcore four, four minutes of yeah. hardcore sex. Yeah, uh, that's where the bump's going to happen. Uh, it's going to yes. stay steady, but this this bump isn't going to happen till there, we see the actual bumping of uglies. Okay. Intra- I mean, I, I love it. So you have a- anyone but you falling out of the top five where it's been in that top five for a while. Yeah. Um. But yeah, they've got that in their back pocket. They've got hardcore sex in their back pocket. I, so. I think people are going to be waiting because the people who are going to see this movie mm. know that that's something that's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I mean, I, I, I'm so interested in this Argyle number because 15 million, you're calling a pretty big bomb. For this movie, I, I mean, uh, opening weekend, I, I mean, which, which listen, could happen. It definitely could happen. But that's you're you're going like full out. This is a disaster. That's the bottom of the tracking is fifteen million dollars. It's fifteen yeah. to twenty three. Your twenty eight is sort of lunatic speak. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Okay. Well, we will see. Um, okay. So of course, email us the bo boys podcast at gmail.com. We love getting your uh emails uh we've got we've got so many emails we've got to get to at at some point i think maybe on the monday episode the the recap episode we've got to get to these emails uh uh adam from the stacks has a great one about monkey man prediction we're gonna get to that uh want to be oh boy michael's got a problem with mean fellas uh with mean girls i'm sorry uh mean fellas that was weird read uh, well, he, his email started fellas and I was ah, looking at two words at once. Okay, yeah. Okay. He was like, Hey fellas mean. Yeah. I so was about mean to fellas. psychoanalyze you. Um, well, listen there, I'm sure there is a straight uh, an asylum, uh, version of good fellas that came out in 1991 that was called mean fellas. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, that's what I was thinking of. Cause I've seen that. Um, and want to be old boy read. We're going to give this its due on a, on a future episode. He gave us a David Letterman style top 10 list. Uh-huh. Um, and, and I think we've got to get to that, you know, but I think we need to to work on our Letterman and Paul Schaefer impressions before we do that email. Mm-hmm. But we will get to that. So a lot of emails to get to on future episodes, but keep sending us emails to BO Boys Podcast at gmail.com. Of course, we are YouTubers. Watch us on YouTube. We got web exclusives on there, full episodes. We got clips. Um, and listen, subscribe if you haven't already. That way you get the notification when a new web exclusive drops. So subscribe to the BO Boys 
uh, show on YouTube. Follow us on social media at the BO Boys Pod. Want to be our senior intern Christopher killing it with the vertical clips across Twitter X and TikTok. And of course, the Substack is back thanks to Wannabeo Junior Intern Jack. This guy's writing up a storm. He is possibly, possibly uh, uh, this generation's Scott Mendelson in, in training. I mean, this, it's a listen, it's a crown that everyone uh, of a certain age is vying for. Mm-hmm. And if you ask me right now of that age group, the most likely person is our very own Wannabeo Junior Intern Jack. So you got to. If you haven't already, you got to subscribe to the B.O. Boys Substack link down below. Get there. He's given two to three articles a week. This guy is, uh, you know, he he is uh, he is perhaps a, a, a literati superstar right now. So you got to read what Jack has to say. Five stars on Apple Podcasts. And I think that's it. Go listen to 60 songs that explain the 90s if you haven't already. And uh, yeah, I think I think that's it, Clayton. I think we've done it. Done it. I don't think there's anything left to say. No, nothing, nothing. I'm out of here. Except for (gasps) until next time. We'll smell you at the. the